0: At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions
1: apply. Welcome to Millions of Screens and the Wire's TV industry focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. That's right, we're all abiding by California shelter in place laws, and we're recording from our apartments. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the ATX Festival, Snowpiercer's eventual premiere, and all things Quibi. That's right, Quibi's out in the world, and we're going to be talking about it. As always, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that everything that follows is trite and trivial, but hopefully can sort of take your mind off things for a half hour or so.
2: 20 minutes. I mean, Snowpiercer has taken my mind off of everything for at least 10 minutes at a time, whenever it, it pops back into my brain. At least 10 minutes or a, a Quibi, a
1: quick bite. Uh, in fairness to Quibi, it might have been better served if things were a little bit longer. Long
2: bites. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to get lost in that app just yet. Like you can scroll a little bit, but... Unless you literally are dying to click on every single option, which I can't imagine anyone who is, then ugh, short term.
0: I just think that I, I just have to question the logic of a, an outlet where it's like every time I watch something, I'm like, God, I wish this was on YouTube. It'd be so much easier to navigate. This is the millions and millions of little
1: screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy.
2: Boy, what a great show.
1: Moving ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Uh, we should probably change that copy. It's not really the biggest news items. Am I wrong?
0: The things we have things to say about.
1: But the first clicker item is uh, the ATX TV festival going virtual. Now, now, Ben, you wrote about this, right? I did write about this. Um, I, I thought it was you. <laughs> I forget the byline sometimes.
2: Well, we had we had a double byline because we've had a, a, po- a post prepped for a while about all the major things we care about that we're worried about. And um, the original post kind of had language that just couched like it, it has been postponed. It's been canceled. It's been changed. And then I, you know, dialed in the specifics once we got them, which is that it's going virtual um, instead of canceling the fest uh, in wake of everything that's going on. Uh, The ATX coordinators have decided to uh, create kind of a remote experience. Uh, There aren't a ton of details about what the program is going to be just yet. Uh, All the reunions that they'd scheduled for this year have been postponed until 2021. Um, I think that they rightly anticipated that people would be much more excited to see all of the scrubs, cast together in a room with them where they can ask questions from a microphone instead of just kind of skyping in from their individual locations. It's not really a reunion if you're all in a separate place. Um but uh but no, there's there's definitely going to be a lot of different options and they're opening it up for um everybody to come join in and I think there'll be a lot of exciting partnerships and it's one of those things where Like everything else going on right now, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like or how it's going to take shape, but there's a lot of exciting possibilities and it's kind of just nice that they're trying. Like it's kind of just nice that somebody is trying to do something instead of just, you know, canceling and and waiting until whenever.
1: I mean, there's there's also something, is there anything to having these sort of like Zoom or Google Hangout sort of reunions? It feels like a lot of that has sort of Taken over the zeitgeist. Hamilton on John Krasinski's show, the Big Mouth uh, table read. I mean, they could do something like that and still sort of serve the original intent.
2: Oh, sure. I mean, for the for the rest of their panels, I think that that's a, an excellent option. I think for everything that they try to put together in terms of just being informative and um, breaking down what's going on in TV and highlighting specific programs that are still on the air or um you know they do a lot of stuff with with uh different guilds like the the casting director or uh society the casting society of america always has a panel and uh, the emmys usually have a panel and they usually break down a lot of things from a production standpoint and all that can still be done but the very specific reunions that they've kind of become famous for where they actually gather um a cast from a popular show whether it's west wing or Scrubs or Justified or any number of the other ones. I think Parenthood was the other big one this year. Um, I think they still want to preserve that for the yeah, Oz. They still want to preserve that for uh, for the room itself, for the event itself.
1: Uh, ben, sure. do you want to get into any of these sort of like theoretical questions you asked about, like is is there a move in in some of the same ways that like this awful thing that's happened may have allowed the Academy? A television to make changes it's want to make for a while is there any move that like other festivals may be moving virtually in the future
2: um, i think that the i think there's a definite possibility of that i think just like everything else going on we're going to see a lot of experimentation and if that experimentation proves successful then they're going to try it out i think that also speaks to the idea that atx tv festival would probably be uh either free or have a large chunk of what it's offering free uh, depending on how they, you know, provide access and what platforms they're on and whatnot. Um, but again, that all goes apart with, you know, how much of a draw is it and how much of a draw is something like this in these times specifically. It may very well be that some of these panels, some of these presentations, some of the get-togethers, some of the stuff is worth paying for, at least on a, on a you know, donation basis or something. Um, but yeah, I think I think with so many other events looking at options to have a wider reach they don't want to lose the core of the festival and that was always the worry before but now that that core isn't going to happen uh, i think we i I would expect to see more people try out different ways to kind of share the spirit of the festival with uh with a larger audience
0: it does really feel like uh this is an opportunity for a lot of these festivals to launch uh, streaming options, which depending on regardless of whether they charge this year for them would allow them to say ATX next year has their regular, oh, you're coming in person price. Maybe they charge 50 bucks for the ability to, the ability to stream, let's say 80% of those panels online. Um, which is a great investment for them, and doesn't, and it, it it gives them a free year to sort of work the kinks out in that system. Which, and specifically, I think with ATX because that is has been a festival which is um, struggling to stay both intimate but also meet the demands of the audience. Um, which, so I think like streaming is a, is definitely a an option for them. Um, So, yeah, I think there are hidden opportunities, hidden silver linings to, you know, the global pandemic. Um, But, yeah, it's just a matter of, of making the most of them and 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 trying to see them as experimentation that, you know, time and money would would not regularly allow for.
1: Well, it's time to move on to the next clicker item I think we're all excited about Snowpiercer time. Snowpiercer enters the Emmy race, baby. That's better. Emmys, baby. <laughs> I don't.
2: I don't even know if I could properly track, like the whiplash of Snowpiercer's rollout, but that that introduction seems to capture the spirit, like the just the anarchist spirit that's left surrounding this show.
1: All you need is three words. It's Snowpiercer Emmys, baby. It's all you need. <laughs>
2: well, but the have you say, an episode baby title. Is, more like two words
1: uh so yeah snowpiercer last week announced that it would be moving up its premiere date from may 31st to may 17th which would allow for it to air enough episodes correct to make it emmy eligible
0: TNT seems to think it's emmy, uh, emmy eligible so Godspeed well, to them
1: ben as you've been you, on the snowpiercer beat since the beginning we all know you this. really
0: have you really? I have. swear to
2: you. it's going to be my only Emmy column. Everything else that I'm trying to put together is going to fall through, and I'm just going to weekly track Snowpiercer's Emmy odds, and that'll be the alert we send out <laughs> once a week for six weeks. Oh, God. Terrible. Bringing the site down. Um, no, according to, according to TNT and the new uh, recently announced Emmy eligibility window, Snowpiercer will air six episodes... Which is the minimum number of episodes to qualify for this year's Emmys before the new June thirtieth deadline?
0: Um, ben, can you explain to me why I should care about *Snowpiercer* becoming Emmy eligible?
2: I cannot, because <laughs> because my excitement <laughs> is purely based in the utter chaos surrounding right. this release, and it's because you know, before we get a look at something, before we've seen the episodes and know whether or not something's good, we're looking for all of these kind of these signs to know whether or not. You know, we should get excited for that. Uh, and, you know, the, the early stuff, it's like, okay, they're adapting a, a Bong Joon-ho movie into a TV series. I don't know how well Americans can pull that off. But, you know, maybe then there's the whole showrunner chaos where it's just like, oh, this doesn't bode well whenever network notes kind of drive somebody away and they bring in somebody who's just going to comply with their wishes. But, you know, hey, it's a big property. They're feeling good about it. They gave it a two-season renewal. So then, you know, things are going back up. They make the move to put it on, to make it the first drama to debut on TBS, which is just kind of confusing. At one point, you want to be excited because you're like, okay, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're so confident in it. They think that they can rebrand an entire network based on the success of this show. That said,
0: Um, why do you have dramas on TBS if you already have TNT? Like, what, why do you have two networks then? Which is apparently something someone brought up in a meeting. After that point, because, Ben, I apologize for interrupting.
2: Nope, perfect segue, segue, and uh, that it goes back to TNT uh, without much preamble. They just kind of did it, and you're like, okay, so it's back where I guess we always expected it to be, uh, other than Leo, who was still betting that it would eventually move to HBO Max because, I mean, you know, it HBO will Max be on HBO. it.
1: It will be on HBO Max eventually, so I'm not wrong. There's well, nothing
0: I, to say that it wouldn't have had not, you know... All of this other happened.
2: I but believe again,
0: in you, I, Leo.
2: I, I feel like this move, the, the two-week move up, is as much to benefit a new streaming service like HBO Max, which is launching, what, May? Oh, it's still just May.
0: Yeah, May 2020.
2: That's terrible. 20. Yeah, someone,
0: hey, maybe it'll, be, maybe it'll be the day Snowpiercer. <laughs> right, <laughs> debuts. And everyone but, will be right.
2: But this is the thing. It's like it's it's HBO Max is still planning to launch in May. They lost their, their big launch date thing, which was the friends reunion, which can't be shot anymore because of the pandemic. There's no productions going on and they didn't want to do it virtually for obvious reasons, like we just talked about. Um, so they do need more launch properties and moving Snowpiercer up as a TNT, even as a TNT property, gives it another title that you can access if you're a cord cutter when you sign up for HBO max. So it gives it more opportunity for content. Um, but again, like none of this makes makes sense in terms of whether or not we should be anticipating this great new show arriving. Um, if it's not a, if it's just kind of an action show, which is fun, then the Emmy move makes no sense. But if it seems like it's this you know deeply prestigious piece just dripping with drama and and incredible acting, then you're gonna be like, well, they clearly wanted to fit this thing in when they could. Um, But I I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect from this thing anymore. I can only imagine that the final product will be a letdown from the chaos that's built toward it. Um, But I will be there to experience it one way or another. And, Libby, you'll notice that Snowpiercer is not alone in this kind of Emmy gamesmanship. Uh, The AMC drama quiz pushed back its release date. Because now it can air those episodes in June as opposed to earlier, um, and and you know they're they're hoping that that gives them a little bit of an edge.
1: Ben, actually, since we're talking about HBO Max and and its related properties, do you want to mention at all HBO offering some of its best shows for free?
2: I mean, it's the key phrase there is some of its best shows because you know it's missing the leftovers. Uh, I I did <laughs> appreciate. Uh, commenter on Twitter who was like where the fuck is the leftovers if we're gonna be sharing important shows for the moment Why aren't we talking about the one where two percent of the world's population disappears? And I was like, well clearly HBO thinks it's worth paying for and they're correct Um, But yeah, no, I mean, I think it's very exciting that HBO is doing that I think it's an interesting build because it's one of those things where since we don't know how long This is going to last. I don't know how long those programs are gonna be available So even though they did put out the full series of The Sopranos and The Wire, you could be binging like an episode or two every day, and then when do they take it away? When does it stop being free? When do you have to pay for the ending of the show that you've become addicted to? Um, I, I like that they've made it all available so that you can have something to get through within the next month. I can't imagine it would be taken off within a month, but... Uh, For anybody who's making longer-term plans for free HBO, I don't know.
1: I mean, the assumption would be that it would stop being free when HBO Max launches. Then you get a free HBO Max. uh, (laughs) So, like, you get a free month of HBO Max to finish your shows. Then you're like, I like HBO Max.
2: Leo, that's Machiavellian. I don't know if that's oh, that's I mean, absolutely that's... what's
0: happening. Like that is absolutely <laughs>
1: on May seventeenth when Snowpiercer and HBO Max uh, launch. That's when uh, those shows are no longer free, and you have to go figure out what happens to McNulty on HBO Max.
0: Listen, yes. Rube, settle down, or else we're going to have to completely <laughs> rearrange this show and recast everyone, and it's just <laughs> it's just not worth the effort. So what? To...
2: May seventeenth is the premiere of Snowpiercer uh-huh hbo hbo max does not have a release date but may 17th somewhat coincidentally perhaps is also the Westworld season three finale air date wow which oh, seems like shit. a pretty good congruence of events that might attract people to a new streaming service
0: see we're gonna have to cut all this out leo leo has figured out hollywood and you and i are useless <laughs>
1: Guys, Sunday at midnight, Eastern time, Quibi launched. That's right. Quibi is here. What did a billion dollars buy Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman? Two billion. What are, you guys, what are your first impression, impressions?
0: I hate it. Um, I wanted to say something nice because I am still hoping they'll offer me a show. But uh, given as I want the show to be me... Reviewing Quibi shows, uh, I I do feel like it is um, of a piece, but it it just uh, I couldn't watch everything because obviously, but the stuff I did watch, even the stuff I liked, like I found uh, Nicole Richie's kind of satire of herself, Nikki Fresh, um, entertaining enough, and I I really liked. The LeBron James like docu series about his I Promise school, um, but at the same time, I was never watching something on Quibi and thinking, "Wow, I'm I'm glad I have this outlet to watch this." I was thinking, "God, I wish this was a thirty for thirty documentary," or "God, I wish this was on YouTube because it'd be so much easier to watch, not on my phone," and um, and it, it's just. It, it, it really feels like a platform that is trying to be YouTube um, without the spontaneity of, of YouTube. Like, there's that Going Mental show, I think it's called, um, about a mentalist tricking celebrities. And, you know, when I sit down and watch a few quick bites of it, um, it's kind of boring. But, like, if that had come up, um, virally and one of my friends was like oh my god this is so funny and so so random that would be different i watched um in their like news section they had a a, a video from the dodo which anyone on twitter or social media knows is a is an outlet that has you know tear jerking animal stories um they have these little videos and they're they're great and they will destroy you and he was fine it was basically just one of their one of their videos and it wasn't particularly high quality, and like it was clearly like audio recorded over a phone and played over a video they'd spliced together, but I, why? Well like why am I watching them on Quibi? Why, theoretically am I paying money for it? Um I just don't understand. I don't understand anything about it, Ben. Do you understand?
2: Uh, No, I wouldn't pretend to understand, though I do feel like that's kind of been the one hang-up we've all had whenever we talk about Quibi before its launch. We were all like, well who knows like we don't know exactly what it's going to be or what it's going to look like or how it's going to work and we haven't seen the shows and we don't know how much it's going to come out we don't know how functional it's going to be and we don't know so many things and and then you know just the big giant question mark of like is this something that actually appeals to a younger generation on the go um but now that we have it i do feel like i understand it enough to agree with everything you're saying in the sense that it doesn't seem Feasible. It seems like every time I get a momentum going, even for a split second of, well, okay, I could see how this could work. The barrier that comes back is almost immediate. And it's usually that you have to pay for it. Because like you said, a lot of this stuff feels like, um, pretty good, decent YouTube content. Um, that if it just stumbled across my desk, I'd watch it aimlessly while I was procrastinating a review, um, <sighs> But I wouldn't seek it out. I wouldn't pay money for that thing. It feels like a lot of them even feel like um, a lot of kind of like indie TV pilots that we see at various festivals, except without the ambition or without the specificity. They're kind of broadened out so that they are as widely appealing as possible. But then that also makes them rather familiar or neutral or just kind of uh silly like i i love will forte i think Caitlin olson's great i think arturo castro can do an endless amount of wonderful things as a character actor uh and a comedian and all three of them are pretty much the only thing within flipped the one of the new comedy quibby shows and yet when i watched three or four of them i can't remember how many are out now um, it just felt like a reminder (laughs) that I would want to see them in a different thing. Like I'd want to see that applied to an idea that would last and that I could kick back on my couch and watch it on the TV. Like the fact that it's on the phone is such a detriment to me. Um, And again, I think that that's one of the problems right now facing the rollout. I mean, they have a, a huge attentive audience, but nobody's on the go. So everybody is just looking for a way to watch something on the biggest screen possible, where they don't have to even hold the phone up. That's too much work. Let's just relax.
1: So you kind of mentioned two things there, Ben. One is the functionality, the idea that it's only available on iPhones, and I was able to download it on an iPad, though it did show up (laughs) uh, with a bunch of negative space around what seems to be the phone-sized app.
2: that just seems amazing to me. Your screenshots of that were... I, I couldn't even believe it.
1: Uh, on the day of launch. Uh, what are you going to do? But but also the idea that that, uh, with the pandemic, the idea that people want to just throw it up on a TV and not have to have their phone out because you want to use your phone for some second screen time. You ne- You need your phone for Twitter or texting or whatever mindless game you have and that's actually probably the best so it pairs wonderfully i would say with quibi content
0: that is an invaluable criticism i think in this age of like second screen content trying to make my second screen your main screen is a disaster
1: i would say i would say it's the primary negative there are so many other things i'd rather use my phone for than watching quibi
2: a lot of the content is in in the sense that, in the sense that, it's being built for a phone, feels like the creators took that two different ways, and some of them took it as I'm going to make this thing for a phone because who gives a shit? It's just a phone. Like it's a five minute thing. It doesn't have to be that substantial. Uh, it doesn't have to be that clever or exciting. It can just kind of exist as a distraction for five minutes, like um, punt the Chance the Rapper revival of Punk'd. Uh, I watched one episode of that. It's seven minutes long. It could have been three minutes long. And <laughs> I, I can't tell you, if you're feeling drag on a video like that, it's mainly because I'm forced to hold it and I'm starting to think about other things that I could be doing with my phone while this thing plays out because I just kind of want to see the ending where he comes out and says, I got gotcha, you," and it's like, okay, good for you. You created a very elaborate prank that was not that well thought out um but then the other half of them are, are trying i to love just that he make, changed the
1: catchphrase from punk to i gotcha <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a that was their big step up for the reboot. i gotcha. <laughs> was like you know what we're gonna keep the title but uh i'm not saying punk that's stupid. i'm gonna say i gotcha um, <laughs> i can but make
0: that the, cool
2: the gotcha. other half of the the creators just made either movies or TV shows that they arbitrarily divided into quick bites uh, that, that feel that way. And, and they feel like I would much rather just wait for this whole thing to be, able, be available and then watch it on my TV if it's worth that investment. If I'm that invested in Luke Hemsworth, then why would I want to look at him on a tiny little screen? Um, and, and yet the only way I can do it is right now is by one or two of those at a time. On my phone, just holding it without any motivation in the screen for it to be playing on my phone. Like, there's nothing about the format or the style. Like, nothing about the functionality actually makes it a better experience on your phone. And that's one of the most frustrating things for me at this point. Like, I was excited to see what these people would come up with creatively who are making something for Quibi because the directive was always there. And yet the result just... I, I I will admit, like we talked about beforehand, some of the reality stuff, some of the unscripted stuff apparently does better use of that, but the uh, the scripted um kind of quote unquote prestige programming for Quibi, uh that just isn't that just isn't taking advantage of the medium at all. I think I think Ben and I Ben and I
1: were both talking about the what we've been doing while we're watching Quibi if we are holding the phone is obsessively switching from vertical to horizontal to see what changes. <laughs> Cause I will say that might be, that might be Quibi's legacy in a year and a half when Quibi is dead, the idea that it was able to take this technology that allows for seamless switching between a 16, nine image and a vertical nine by 16 image on a phone, uh, is super interesting. Uh, and probably other apps will start to integrate stuff like that. That being said, and Ben has plenty of examples. Boy, do some of these uh, shows not take advantage of that shift.
2: Everything you're seeing from a technical side could very well be true. and I've read enough things about how that part of the app is, you know, a, a, a significant advance in tech, like in, in terms of just the, the seamless continuation of the video without any black bars appearing on the side. And there was a, there was a couple things that I watched where... I think it was during punt when I, when I was turning the phone and it would almost match up with a cut that they were making. So it just, it literally looked like they shot one thing in 16 by nine and then the other in vertical. And you just, it just, I just seamlessly transitioned as I was watching. Um, but man, yeah, like some of the some of the stuff in Most Dangerous Game is just so asinine from a storytelling standpoint. I couldn't believe that they included it. Like I couldn't believe that they didn't have another option from a, like a a, a, a a camera angle to cut to to make this make sense. There is a there's a very standard typical shot of a guy on a rooftop. It's Luke Hemsworth. Spoiler alert, and he is walking up to the edge of it and the camera's behind him and it you know it just kind of blows past like blows past the the um the torso shot all the way to behind his head and you see this expansive cityscape in front of him he's in detroit and he's looking out over the over the skyline and from a horizontal viewpoint that was what i was watching at at first it looked pretty good it's like okay cool like that's detroit that's nice that they were there they were able to fake it Seamlessly. Um, and as soon as I switched it to vertical, the only thing you could see was the back of his head. You couldn't even see the cityscape anymore. You couldn't see the whole point of the shot. And then the reverse shot, like the the, the cut after that was of no consequence to that. So you just didn't know what was happening.
1: In my former life and development, uh, I had run-ins with uh, Snapchat Originals. And they used to sort of... they They did all vertical storytelling. And they definitely when you were pitching things to them they wanted you to utilize the screen in an interesting way they didn't want 9 by a, a normal 9 by 16 image just punched in which happens constantly it feels like all of these are made for a 9 by 16 and then they have to like reverse engineer what their vertical version looks like uh like if you when Snapchat Originals did exist or if it still exists they definitely utilize various parts of the screen um and i think nikki fresh does that a little bit and then some of the some of the reality shows do that with graphics but otherwise like you were saying ben like it's just punch ins and they look out of focus because yeah they look blurry cuz it's not the full resolution of the image
2: that was also one of kind of the distracting aspects of doing that repeatedly it was almost like i had to just choose which image looked cleaner, and that was the one I was supposed to be watching, whereas the other one, I guess, was an emergency backup in case I had to had to look at my phone vertically, like, in case, I don't know, I was putting it on a stand or something. Like, it just didn't make sense.
1: Do you want to do sort of, like, a rapid fire on these three questions, just because I think it would be interesting to get both your thoughts on these. Is, is the coronavirus helping or hurting Quibi?
0: I mean, it's got to be hurting it, like, for all the reasons that we said. I, I mean, I don't know how prevalent advertising is for it when we're in the heart of the the, um, you know, quarantine. I don't know how many people are aware that it came out on Monday, and I don't know how many of those people that were aware care about it. Um, and then even if they are, do get into it if there was something they really look forward to. I don't know how thrilled they're gonna be about holding their phone, not being able to do anything else while you're doing it um i think that this is if if this feels like something a platform that was created to for you to use while you were waiting for something short term while you were commuting on the train whatever uh we're not doing any of that we're waiting for things long term and we aren't commuting anywhere so there's no way this is good for them
2: ben yeah i, I have to agree we we touched on it and, and Libby's point about the advertising kind of being unable to make a dent during a time when people's attention is so focused on one thing, um, and if it's not focused there, then they know the escapism they're going to search out instead of, you know, looking for something new and different. Um, but yeah, like, I, I mean, because we're all trapped in this way and because one eye is kind of always on the news or Twitter or social media or checking on your family or your friends or texting or whatever it is, uh, Quibby, you know, seems to be the opposite of what we need right now like we need more access to our phone for a lot of different things while something's playing in the background it, it can't be the primary screen right now
1: i mean obviously they have a ton of money and they have this amazing technology to uh alter between vertical and horizontal is there a way it probably has something to do with the ui of the phone but if there was a way for it to sort of be picture in picture while you did something else i think people would watch more of it if it was almost like a video on a website that sort of followed you you're like you minimize Quibi so you can keep watching, but you could also tweet or text while Quibi is happening.
0: Imagine being imagine being a content creator, and you they were like, okay, well, it's to watch on your phone, except uh, people can minimize it, so they can do other things on their phone. So they can play Angry Birds, <laughs> and Angry Birds on their phone. Uh, they can minimize it. So really, you want to be creating something that opti- uh, that looks optimal at a postage the size of a postage stamp. As intended.
1: I'm just talking like intended. a development person.
0: Absolutely.
2: So absolutely. I, I, think, I think the sad part is that Leo is absolutely right. I think oh, yeah. I, I think you'd leave it on in the background a lot longer, but it would be infuriating. I, at that point, if I was the if I was the content creator, I would start putting little Easter eggs like regularly in my videos, and like if you didn't click the easter like some sort of interactive component like if you didn't click or acknowledge or at the end there was like a quiz if you couldn't answer those then you didn't get the next episode it was just like fuck off go find something else to do well here's the
1: big surprise for that for the outro this was the premiere episode of Libby on Quibi guys we did it <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
2: You know what? And it canceled. worked. It's exactly what Leo requested. People can just listen to this while they do other things on their phone. So yeah. it works.
0: Here's a pitch. What if all Quibi shows were podcasts?
2: Oh, now you're oh, at boy. Well, honestly, I when I was watching Most Dangerous Game, that first Quick bite is such an exposition drop with so little else going on that it's, I was like, I can just listen to this. I don't need to watch it. I... It, it's just them talking.
1: Well, I'm sad that we don't. We, is, should we retire Libby on Quibi then?
0: Uh, yeah, I think Libby well. should shoot higher. Yeah, I mean, I we should before uh, it it becomes obsolete overall.
2: <laughs> we'll bring it back up every like tenth episode. Nobody'll yeah. know what we're talking about in a year. Yeah, yeah right, I, well,
0: feel, I feel like that's
1: right. I'll read the outro now, which I. I can see there's extra text, but I haven't read it. We'll see how it goes. Millions of Screens, a production of the Penske Media Corporation, NDYR Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video, of York talking about TV and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Our editor in chief is Dana Harris-Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Anne Donahue. Our favorite college mascots are Albert Gator, Herky the Hawk, and the Jackrabbit. I assume those are, those are all our alma mater's mascots? I think so. Oh, wait. Our Millions of Screens mascot is Bucky. Yay! James Buchanan, Barnes, Richard, Clem Garcia. The first. Wow. Is is that all in the collar? It's all all in the collar. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can also find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So leave a review and let us know what you think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo Remind you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you.
0: You shouldn't let
1: poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool (laughs) podcast.
0: plus.